Uh, hey, if you're on social media, Breaking Bad, hashtag Breaking Bad. And if you'd like sermon notes, just send an email to info at bridgechurch.cc, and uh, we will send you those notes. Now, if you're going to take notes, you're going to want to do it today. Uh, if you've got your prayer journal, we encourage you to be taking notes in that as well. Uh, we have 14 scripture references. 14. So you're not going to be able to write all the, uh, uh, all the details of those verses, but you can write at least the, um, the references of those. So in this new sermon series, Breaking Bad, we'll learn that many of the problems we experience externally with others and internally with our personal feelings and perspectives are directly connected to unresolved issues from our past. When we ignore the emotional wounds and complications of our past, this causes our present and future to be negatively affected. When we allow the scriptures and the Holy Spirit to help us recognize and sort out these issues, we're able to experience his rest, and we are set free from needless restrictions and pain. So Psalm 127 Verse 1, our first scripture reference, unless the Lord builds the house. Now, a lot of times we think of physical structures, but this is about generations or offsprings. They labor in vain who build it. Jesus said to, to the Jews this way, in John 18, I'm sorry, John 8, 31 through 34. So Jesus was saying to the Jews who had believed, if you abide in my word continually, obeying teachings and living in accordance with him, then you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth regarding my salvation, and the truth will set you free from the penalty of sin. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been enslaved to anyone. What do you mean by saying you will be set free? Jesus answered, I assure you and most solemnly say to you, everyone who practices sin habitually is a slave to sin. So verse 33 reveals that the Jews were confused and offended at the suggestion that if they obeyed Jesus, they would no longer be slaves. In verse 34, Jesus clarified that he was not speaking of a physical slavery, but spiritual slavery. When he said, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Jesus wanted the Jews to understand that they were in bondage because they sinned. And everyone who sins is a slave to sin. That says to me, there's no such thing as a little sin that doesn't cost us much. Every sin has a high price tag, and the price is slavery and bondage. Bottom line, three things are clear in God's words. One, blessings and curses are reality. Two, it is your choice which one you will get. And three, your current choices not only impact you, they impact generations to come. 
So today we're going to learn what the Bible actually says about this subject, how to identify if a curse is at work in your family, how to ensure you're passing on blessings, how to ensure you're breaking free from any curses. We're going to learn how to break the bat in our lives. Look at I got even got a little shelf here for water. Man. Listen, this is a big area right here, so I can put a lot of notes. So just buckle up. We're going to learn how to break the bat in our lives and the life of our descendants. To lay the groundwork for this series, we're going to begin by talking about six spiritual truths. Six spiritual truths. So truth number one. There's a real and powerful world in control of everything. There's a real and powerful spiritual world in control of everything. As you know, in our culture, there is a huge fascination with the supernatural. Most of what is being communicated is pure fantasy. And there's some just really whacked out stuff uh, out there right now. This false information doesn't change reality. The fact is, beyond the natural world we connect with through our five senses, there's a very real supernatural world at work. Like the wind, we can't see it, but certainly we can see the effects of the wind. There is a very real battle going on around us even while we sit in service this morning. Do you know that Satan does not want you to be here today? And he throws distractions at you to get you to stay home so you do not come and be around Christian community. Somebody's saying, yes, I know. Satan was working very strongly through my children this morning for me not to get here. Someone said there's an unseen battle taking place around us every moment between God's holy angels and the four forces of darkness. Listen, I, I feel that if we really saw what was going on right now in the spiritual realm, we'd probably pee our pants. I mean, there's, there's some probably really scary stuff happening that we can't even see right now. But God is fighting for us. The supernatural or spiritual world is most important because it's the eternal world. 2 Corinthians 4.18 says, So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is, not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Which is more permanent? This podium or God? God. God is more permanent. The supernatural world is not just eternal, it's powerful. And Ephesians 6.12 says, our, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So if you want to succeed in life in every area, you have to decide to focus on the unseen world. And I think a lot of times our problem is we focus on what is seen. We get hung up on what is seen and are not keeping our focus on the bigger picture. Rather than reacting to the people's circumstances of the seen world, 
we start obeying God in his, wor- in his word. So we react a lot to the seen worlds. I know I do quite a bit. For instance, sometimes life is just hard and frustrating and nothing is working. It's like there's some unseen force working against us. And you know it, but you can't put your finger on it. It's like swimming upstream against currents. It's like almost like the devil canceled all his appointments today except with you. Does it kind of feel like that some days? I know for me it does. Where you are constantly frustrated, you don't have enough finances, not enough rest, not enough time. You look around and you see others getting blessed, everyone except you. You see people growing and enjoying life. You know, money just shows up for everyone else. Maybe you have even complained to God, what's the deal, God? Like, what's going on? What, what, am, I, what am I doing wrong here? Because it seems like everyone else is getting blessed except me. And there's other times you sense you're operating under God's favor where everything is just working and everything lines up. And, and maybe you feel like, you know, you haven't even really done anything differently, but it just feels like God's hand of blessing is on you. And I've been there as well. So truth number two, God is in charge of all of it, of it all. We tend to attribute blessings to God and curses to Satan, but don't be fooled. God is in control, and he is God. Matthew 28, 18 says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. God is in control right now. God is in control of the eternal. God is in control forever. Sometimes we feel like Satan is in control. Listen, you look at the news, and, and it just feels like Satan is in control of everything. And, and, and you know, look, you look at, my, look at your kids, and, and I got four small ones, and I'm like, man, you're just thinking about the kind of world that they're going to be growing up in. But I can't get focused on what I see. I have to keep focused on the eternal and knowing that God is in control when everything seems out of control in front of me. Hear me, that means once you commit your life to Christ, Satan has no authority in your life unless you give it. Let me repeat that. Once you commit your life to Christ, Satan has no authority in your life unless you give it to him. What did, you, what did Jesus say in John 8? If you hear and obey my teaching, you will be set free. If you sin, you give Satan a chance to enslave you to sin. Let me give you an example. In Ephesians 4, 26, 27, in the message it says, Go ahead and be angry. You do well to be angry, but don't use your anger as fuel for revenge. And don't stay angry. Don't go to bed angry. Don't give the devil that kind of foothold in 
your life. Listen, there's nothing sinful about being angry. Anger, anger is energy, but if you hold on to anger, if you use energy to get even or lash out, you just open the door for Satan to influence life. What do you think his goal is? To steal, kill, and destroy. Man, there is a righteous anger, and I feel like as believers we need to have a righteous anger. This whole bathroom situation, I'm telling you what, buddy, it is ticking me off. And, you know, for the government to come down, you say you shouldn't talk about policy. I don't care. For the government to come down and say we're going to take away funding, that's a bunch of, you know what, man. And I'm, I'm angry about that. And, and, and now to, to, to put it on the schools, and, and we should be angry about that. Listen, the bridge is a place where you can belong before you believe I don't care what kind of lifestyle you're living. If you are a homosexual, if you're a bisexual, if you're transgender, you are welcomed here. All right? I'm, not, I'm not saying about that. But it's common sense. It is common sense, and it's about protecting our kids. I'm getting mad. I'm getting mad. But if you use anger in a wrong way, you have just opened the door for Satan to influence your life and the life of others. So that's just one area. It's true with any sin. Here's a simple, a simple solution. Don't sin. Stop sinning. That's all you got to do. But when you do... Confess it. When you do sin, because even Christians still sin, confess it. Let me give you a little example here. <clears throat> so my, uh, my wife and I, we, we're pretty busy. There's some weeks where we're gone three to four nights out of the week, whether you know, I'm in meetings or she's uh, photographing. And um, so... You know, she's been away quite a bit these last couple weeks. And so on Friday, I had the four little ones. And, um, and so I was in charge of dinner and showers and bedtime and all that stuff. And I was exhausted, man. And so when you're exhausted, you tend to lash out at your kids a little bit more. And um, so I uh, got angry several times, and, and I lashed out my kids. And uh, you know what stinks as a parent? When you lash out and then they cry. Oh my goodness, man. That's killer, man. And um, so I have, uh, my wife and I, we lead a, a home life group. And we've been meeting for a couple, week, couple, couple months now. And one of the blessings of being a part of a home life group is that you can be real with, with one another. And you can keep each other accountable. So I shared yesterday on Facebook with my group. Now, there's some people that like to share everything on Facebook. I don't need to hear everything, okay? You don't need to lay out your whole dirty laundry and everything, you know? Like, that's like so junior high. But anyway, um, so I tell my life group that, man, I think I probably got a C- minus yesterday in my parenting. That was probably more like a D. I was probably being, you know, a little too, a little too leaning on myself. 
and I, I let them know, you know, I was lashing out my kids, and, you know, I made them cry, and, and I just wanted to confess that to them. And, uh, and several, several, several of the, uh, of the uh, parents also commented that, that they've done that recently as well. And, and, but you know what? I confessed it. And, and when, when you confess your sin, there's no reason to fear the devil that he's got a hold on you because confession leads to change. And I want to change in this area in my life because it's one of my biggest struggles. And I, I want to confess it because I want to change. And some of you want to change, but you're not willing to confess. You won't change until confession takes place. So 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. I don't have to fear the devil. I don't have to fear the devil. Say it with me. I don't have to fear the devil. You don't have to fear the devil. Fact, I suggest if you are going to be afraid, be afraid of not doing things God's way. There is a real, powerful, spiritual world operating, but God is in charge of it. Number three, the Bible is the standard for everything. The Bible is the standard for everything. It is where blessings and curses come on the basis of that standard. John 1, 1 and 14 says, In the beginning there was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word became a human and lived among us. You know who that refers to? Jesus. Jesus is the Word of God in human form. What did he say in John 8? If you obey me, you obey my teachings, my word, you will be set free. If you disobey, if you sin, there is a curse and you will be slaves to your sins. That says to me, if there is any area in your life not in line with God's word, it is impossible for God to bless it. If there's an area of your life where you are saying, I'm not willing to obey God's word in this area, there's no way God can bless that. God is holy, and his holiness won't allow him to. So if I say, I know I'm treating my wife contrary to what the Bible says, I can pray for my marriage all I want, he can't bless it. He can't bless it. If I in my finances, I'm resisting his word, I'm not being obedient with tithing, I'm not budgeting, I'm not being self, I'm not being disciplined. I can pray, I can beg, I can cry, oh God, help me, but he can't. He can't. On the other hand, when you know the truth and you obey, you are free and you are blessed, and nothing Satan can throw at you can change that. So Jesus illustrated it in this way. Matthew 7, 24 through 27. Therefore, 
Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the rock. Do I got a different illustration here? Where am I at here? The rain came down, the streams rose, and the wind blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall, because it is foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and has not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. So don't worry about the devil. The devil is really, you say, man, the devil's really giving me a hard time. Spend your time making sure you are walking in God's word. And one of the issues is we get so focused on what Satan is doing that it keeps, keeps our focus off of God. And we get so focused on seeing what the enemy is doing that we forget that God is in control. So that's where our focus is at. There's a lot of... Uh, there's a lot of men right now that are wanting to meet with me. And, and this friend series that we just recently did, I think, spoke to a lot of men. <clears throat> and they have realized that they don't really have true Christian friends in their life, and they don't have accountability in their life. So I'm getting a lot of guys coming and say, hey, man, you know, can, can I meet with you? And, and can we get together every few weeks? And, and I would love to be able to do that, but I, but I just don't have time to meet with every single person on a regular basis that wants to meet with me. So one of the things I've said is I said, you know what, man? I'm doing a series right now called Stepping Up. It's a call to courageous manhood on Right Now Media. And uh, if you guys haven't checked it out, I really encourage you guys to. I said, uh, I said, why don't you check that out? I'm doing it right now, and let's just talk every once in a while. You know, let's send a text message. Let's share a message on Facebook about what you're learning. And you know what? I'm willing to pour into men who want to learn. But if a guy says, man, you know, I, I, want, I want you to come alongside my, you know, side, side, side my life right now, but they're not willing to, to be teachable, man, I, I really don't want to waste my time. Because there's men out there who are hungry and who are ready to learn. And, you know, I think about, like, the whole accountability thing. Accountability is good, but you have to walk in God's word. And so some of these men are saying, man, I need accountability in my life but they don't know God's word. Like, you have to know God's word for accountability to take place. When you seek God, you won't focus on the devil. You know, when you build your finances on the word of God, you don't have to live in fear of the current economy because you, are, you aren't under control of the economy. You operate in God's economy now. And when you build your marriage on the word, Satan can't tear it down. Only time, you know, your marriage suffers when you resist the word. And you, when you resist the word, you allow a spirit of bitterness and selfishness and resentment to come in. And that's what I'm seeing in a lot of marriages right now. They're resisting God's word on how to treat your spouse. And then there's bitterness and resentment and anger. So truth number one, there's a real spiritual world operating. Truth two, God is in charge of it. Three, the Bible is the standard for everything. The Bible determines if I will live in freedom or bondage. 
if my family will live in freedom or bondage. And the choice is up to us. I love what one person said this past week. They said, the Bible is my family's authority and Jesus is our example. The Bible is my family's authority and Jesus is our example. All right, we're at halftime. Gatorade break. (laughs) Truth number four. Death is the penalty for our sin. Death is a penalty for our sin. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Does he mean Christians too here? Let me ask you, can Christians sin? Can a Christian sin without penalty? What did Jesus say? Everyone, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. The wages of sin is death, not just for unbelievers. Here's where confusion comes. We normally interpret this verse in light of heaven and hell. And that's the way I've always interpreted it. That's okay, but it has a broader meaning than that. Death, and the Greek word here is thanatos, means misery always accompanies sin. Misery always accompanies sin. So that's what I've been trying to say this morning. Every time you sin, there is a death, thanatos, a misery and consequence that accompanies it even for the believer. That's why Paul told us in Ephesians 4.31, get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. Because when we carry those sins into our relationships, your relationships stop being free, open, and loving. And instead, what happens in your relationships is you take on thanatos. You take on misery, curses that accompany sin. So instead of God blessing and making relationships closer, there's bitterness, rage, and malice start to tear relationships apart, marriages apart, families apart, friendships apart. And I've seen it in friendships. I've seen it in families. I've seen it in churches. So I was changing my oil on Friday, and whenever I change the oil, I feel like a man. Whenever I go to Lowe's, I don't feel like a man because I cannot stink and find anything, and half the stuff I don't even know what you use it for. And I just feel like a tool bag when I go into Lowe's. You get that tool bag in Lowe's? So uh, I bought a new Corolla. Actually, it was a friend's Corolla, 2011 or 2010 Corolla. And uh, he moved out of the country. He was military, and so got a great deal on that. So it was new to me, but, but uh, it was his car. 
Dave Ramsey would be happy buying used cars. Um, so I'm changing the oil filter and realized that on the newer Corollas, it's a little bit different. Instead of having the canister, you have to take the filter off, and then like you have to take the filter out inside and put a new filter in. So I drained all the oil, and then I realized that I needed an oil filter wrench to take it off. So then I had to go to Lowe's, I'm not Lowe's, AutoZone, and get an oil filter wrench. So I'm like, all right, I think this is the right one. You know, I Googled it, you know. And uh, so I come back, home, come back to the house and realize that I don't have a big enough socket to use this tool to take off. So, you know, I cuss a little bit. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, you think about, I struggle with anger. I cuss every so often. And I have tattoos. Three of them. Do, I, do you, ever you ever wonder how this guy became a pastor? <laughs> like, this is one of my pastors. I ask the same question all the time. <laughs> so, I, so I finally have the right socket. I had a bar from my father-in-law because he's, you know, Bob the Builder. He's got everything. And, uh, and I take this off. And man, there's no, there's, when you change your oil, there's no clean way of doing it. So I take this off, and there's oil dripping out everywhere, man. And it's, it's all over my arms, you know. And I got a rag there, and I'm, you know, trying to clean, you know, my arms up. And uh, uh, by the way, let me, let me take a step back. Uh, I'm, I'm not trying to promote my anger and my cursing. I'm just saying I'm in the battle with you guys working through this, okay? Just any kids that are, that are listening right now say, hey, pastor gets angry and he swears. You know? um, anyway, so I'm changing the oil, and I got oil all over my arms, and I get the rags, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm trying to wipe it out. And, man, when you get oil on you, like, you just can't get it off with a rag, all right? Like, it, it kind of looks clean, but you, you, you just feel, like, you feel that, that, that oil still on you. And so you got to go in the sink, and, and you got to rub it off. You know, when I think about death, when I think about sin, when I think about thanatos, I think about this filth and grime that's on you that's really bringing destruction in your life and in your family's life. And you got to get it out of your life. You got to wipe it off. You got you got to get clean. Because there is a spiritual world that is control of everything, but God is in control. His word, his Bible is a standard for blessing and bondage. And the penalty of disobedience, the penalty of sin in your life right now, the areas that you don't want to deal with, will always accompany misery. And you can still be a Christian and still be miserable because you're covered in misery because you're not dealing with what you need to deal with. Truth number five, Jesus took on the penalty for our sin. I think we all know that, but let's be honest. 
there are two categories of people here today. One, you are partially blessed and partially cursed. You see God's blessings in some areas of your life. In others, you see Thanatos is at work, big time. You tried every way now to get out from under that, but nothing has worked because you are still resisting what you know in his word says to do. You've lied, you've stolen, you've cheated, you've mistreated. Sounds like a country song. And God can't bless your life until you deal with it. You need to confess it to him. You need to repent and change. You know, you can come here on a Sunday morning and and you can feel better for a while, but blessings only come in line with God's word. Or two, others of you are just blessed. You've given them full access to who you are, and every time you become aware of an area he doesn't have, you give it to him. You have made God Lord of your life. Making, making God, making Jesus Lord of your life is you give him every area. Every area, not just a little bit here, not just a little bit, everything. You give him everything. And the results is you are more blessed than you ever dreamed of. It doesn't mean that you don't have problems, but even when problems come, it doesn't seem to stop your joy from happening. It doesn't mean you're perfect, but you know the Lord of your life, and you are blessed. Galatians 3.13 says, Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law. When he was hung on the cross, he took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing. For it is written in the scriptures, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. When you got that, when you got that, when your head and your heart that Jesus came to the cross and he forgave you, then things change. The way you handle your finances, the way you treat your spouse, the way you treat your coworkers. In every area he brought to your mind, he set you free. He pronounced blessings in your life and your family, which brings us back to where we started this morning. There's one truth we need to establish. Last point, number six. Truth impacts future generations. Truths impact future generations. Deuteronomy 5, 7 and 10 says, You must not have any other God but me. You must not make for yourself an idol of any kind or any image or an image of anything in the heavens or on earth or in the sea. You must not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. I lay the sins of the parents upon their children. The entire family is affected, even children in the third and fourth generations of those who reject me. But I lavish unfailing love for a thousand generations on those who love me and obey my commands. Notice the impact of our choices. Misery, death, sins to the third and fourth generations. 
your grandkids' kids, but blessings to a thousand generations. Even modern secular psychology sees generational patterns such as spousal abuse, addictions, alcoholism, suicide, anger, and divorce. Even psychologists who don't believe in Jesus admit to these generational patterns. I've seen all these patterns passed down from generation to generation, especially, you know, being in ministry and, and, and working with a lot of people and just seeing what gets passed down. You know, my great-grandpa, nearly 85 years ago, left my grandma to raise six kids by herself. Left her. Never came back. Guess what my grandpa did? He got a divorce. Guess what his three sons did? Got divorces. Between my grandpa and his three sons, between four people, there are eight divorces between four of them. Guess what I'm not going to do? I'm not getting a divorce. Divorce is not an option for my wife and I. It's not. Listen, we're going to go through difficult times, but we're going to work it out. And if we need to get help, we're going to get help. My wife and I are going to pursue each other until death. We've made a commitment. And there's no one that's going to love my wife more than me. Generational curses and patterns stop with my family. Amen? What about you? What generational curse, what generational pattern are you going to stop right now? And quit using the excuse, that's how my grandma was, that's how my grandpa was, that's how my dad was, that's how my mom was. Quit using the excuse. Quit using it. Own the sin, and it stops with you. It's your choice. It's your choice. Man up. Woman up. And saying, you know what, that's how it was in my family, but we're done. And I'm not going to pass this on to my kids. I'm not going to pass this on to my grandkids. I'm not going to pass this on to their kids. It stops with me. It stops with me. Here's the point. These negative, destructive patterns do not have to be perpetuated. This death, this misery, this thanatos can be started or stopped with any generation. When we refuse to live God's way, we start a cycle of death in our family. When we accept that cr- what Christ has done, when we walk in blessings, we also start that cycle in our family as well. What curses, what destructive patterns are you passing down to your kids right now? And what blessings are you passing down to your kids? Fact, every culture, every family has blessings and curses that flow from generation to generation, but you get to decide whether it comes 
from yours on here and out. My prayer is, as we explore these truths together, that these last two verses will be your legacy. Proverbs 13, 22. A good life gets passed on to the grandchildren. A good life gets passed on to the grandchildren. Psalm 112, 6. A righteous man will be remembered forever. A righteous man, a righteous woman will be remembered forever. You know, I think about when you skip rocks, and I got a stone right here. You know, when you skip that rock, when you skip that rock, there's that ripple effect, right? And the ripple effect of a stone thrown into a lake or pond, there, you know, there can be, there can be a, a difference. The effects of that stone seem to just, you know, just keep going and going and going. Don't, I mean, you can just see it. But there's one big difference between the ripple effect of a stone thrown into a lake and the ripple effects of our lives. The ripple effects of a stone thrown into a pond keep getting smaller and smaller and smaller. Whereas the ripple effects of our lives become bigger and bigger and bigger. Consider the amazing and increasingly large ripple effects of Abraham's life. God said, Abraham, through your offspring, all people on earth will be blessed. That means that our own salvation and the explosion of the gospel throughout the world today can be traced to Abraham's decision to trust and obey the Lord. Your trust and obedience in the Lord today will have a lasting effect long after you are gone. So beginning next week, we're going to get into the practical nuts and bolts of how to break the bad in your life and in the generations that follow. Let me pray.